Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Life of St. Philip Neri by Antonio Galonio, Section 11, Chapter 132 A Prediction. In the year 85 of this century, a priest called Giovan Antonio Lucci, who was more than 60 years old, fell off the horse he was riding and struck the ground. His life was seriously at risk, for his skull was fractured, so that the bones became visible, and an infection set in, till the doctors pronounced his life to be in grave danger. He was afraid of dying from the accident and had Philip summoned. I am not ready to die, father, he said, since I have not yet made a will and signed it as I would like to. Then Philip hugged the man and said, cheer up. You will live to write your will in the way you want. He was not speaking idly, for the patient immediately began to improve and soon afterwards became quite well. He lived for many more years and died in 1599, on the 28th of October. In November of the same year, a well-born boy named Carlo Orsini, aged 12, was stricken by a pain in his side accompanied by a high fever. The pain was especially severe in his left side. The fever continued without any remission at all. The disease seemed to be fatal, and the doctors began to doubt they could save the boy's life. But in the meantime, one day when he was beginning to suffer greatly, Philip came towards evening, summoned by the boy's mother. He sent everyone outside and had the doors closed. Then he began by asking the boy where the pain was, and then proceeded to ask whether he wanted to confess his sins. He said he would do so willingly. Philip then knelt down and heard his confession, keeping his hand on the part where the pain was. This was no empty gesture, for Carlo began to feel the pain was diminishing as Philip touched him. As he left, Philip said, Do not be afraid. You are not going to die of this disease. You'll feel better tomorrow. And amazingly, he had hardly left the house before the power of God suddenly freed the boy from all his pain. That night he slept well, though he had lain awake all the previous night. He slept peacefully through until dawn. And when he awoke, he found that the disease had entirely disappeared. And he was able to tell the astonished doctors that his former strength had returned. Carlo explained to them that when he was ill, it seemed to him that Philip was drawing out all the pain through the hand with which he was touching the place that hurt. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. 
Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, apostle of Rome, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why does a priest normally sit to hear confessions? Well, because the church instruction to do so. And why does the church do that? Well, principally because the priest is there in the role of a, of a judge. He's there to hear the case. And what is the case? The case is that someone is coming who's done something wrong and he's come to confess his guilt. But this is a strange kind of courtroom, a strange kind of tribunal. Because the person declares himself guilty, says everything he's done, includes all the details, held nothing back. And then at the end, the judge says, go in peace. You are innocent. Your sins are forgiven. This is what we call a tribunal, a courtroom of mercy. The priest is there to witness that the person confessing is sorry that he's actually done something wrong and that he wants to do better. The priest is a judge in that sense. He's not there to judge the person. He's there to make sure that the conditions are there so that he, as an instrument of the Holy Spirit, can pour forth the mercy of Jesus Christ upon that person. He can allow the mercy of God to flow out and sprinkle that person with the blood of Christ. So normally a priest sits when he hears confessions, but he doesn't have to sit. And tonight we hear that Philip knelt down to hear this boy's confession. Why? Well, because the boy was in pain. He was in bed. He's a little guy. He's 12 years old. And Philip wanted to get down very close to him. He wanted to be able to allow the boy to speak. He wanted to look into his face. And notice that Philip offered to hear his confession. Philip asked him, do you want to confess your sins? We don't often hear that that's connected with Philip's healings. But here it is. And what does it remind us of? It reminds us of the miracle of our Lord healing the man who was a paralytic, who was laid on a mat, on a pallet. And his four friends lowered him down through the roof. They lowered him before our Lord. And our Lord said, your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith, the faith of his friends. And then the Pharisees that were there murmured, who is this who says he can forgive sins? And then Jesus says, so that you might know that the son of man has power to forgive sins. I say to you, looking at the man who's paralyzed. Rise, take up your pallet and walk. In other words, what's easier? To say to the man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? Well, it's easier to say, rise and walk. Or is it easier to say your sins are forgiven? Well, our Lord says, so that you might know the Son of Man has power. In other words, I'm doing this physical miracle, the physical healing, 
as a sign of a greater power that I have to heal the soul. If I have the power to heal his body, if I have a power to make a paralyzed man walk, then believe me when I tell you, Jesus is saying, that I have the power to make the soul stand up and walk. You see, then the body stands up upright. It's a sign of, of health. And our soul is upright. Our soul stands up straight, as it were, when we are in a right relationship with God, when, our, when we are looking at God, when we're looking ahead of us, we're looking to what we have to do. So tonight, let us ask for the grace to set our eyes on what lies ahead. Forgetting what lies behind, strain forward to what lies ahead. Because our Lord has given to his church the power to forgive our sins. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven. And we cannot let our fear of sin, fear of making a mistake, keep us from going forward and trying to do some good. The Lord has left us his church with the power to forgive sins in the sacrament of confession. And he's given us priests through whom every sin can be forgiven. So let's be bold. Let us go forward. Let us try to do some good. And if we make a mistake, well, the Lord can forgive us. He can put the priest to work. But we cannot be so afraid of doing good because we might make a mistake or two. That priest tonight, he fell off a horse. We don't know where he was going. We don't know what he was up to. But St. Philip healed him too. No matter how old we are, whether we're 60, whether we're 70 like St. Philip, whether we're 12 years old like that boy, when shall we begin to do some good? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.